This is the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1877-669-1292. And good evening. I am Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. So happy to be here with you. We're on every night of the week, unless we're not. Uh, the, uh, uh, we're usually on at 10 o'clock uh, on Tuesday nights. We're on at 10, and then we're on again at midnight. So uh, I'll be on now and then for an hour, and then I'll be back at midnight for another hour of Political Hitman, which airs live on True Talk Radio and on Israel News Talk Radio. Right now we're live on truetalkradio.com. You can download the app by going to any of the app stores and searching for the True Talk Radio Network app. You could... Uh, you could, of course, call into the show if you want to do that. Numbers to call one 669 1292 And you can, and you can, you're always welcome to, anytime you want, you could go to the website, truetalkradio.com, and see the and see the entire schedule of shows that air on the True Talk Radio Network. I uh, I don't normally talk about myself on this show. I've been doing this show for nearly 30 years, just about this is their 30th season, and I don't ever talk about myself because I, I think I'm just a vessel here. I'm just a vessel to give you information, and I really feel that talking about myself is, is pointless, and I'm not a narcissist, so I have no sudden urge to talk about myself. But tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about myself. Well, not not necessarily about me, but about a situation that that concerned me. Yesterday was the uh, was well, if things had gone differently, yesterday would have been the seventy ninth uh, birthday, my father's seventy ninth birthday. Now, my father died six years ago. He died from an incurable brain uh, brain uh, virus that he got. It was a side effect of uh, some other health treatments that he got, and. Uh, it was incurable, and he, it was inevitable that he was going to die from this from this ailment. In Judaism, they teach us try to save a life as uh, you do what you can to save a life. If you can prolong a life, try to prolong the life as as much as possible. And that's what we did. We 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 fought to save my father's life, and and it was a long battle. It was a it was a tough battle, and I don't often talk about it because it was a painful battle. But we um we 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 fought. And we took him to every specialist in the world that could possibly see him, that could possibly help him. And we worked hard to save my father's life. There was one treatment that my father could have gotten that was, um, that was an experimental treatment, and it wouldn't have necessarily saved him. It might have prolonged his life a little bit, but probably wouldn't have saved him. And we were stopped from that option. The government of Canada has a unit of the health department called Health Canada. Health Canada approves medication to be used in, in the country. It's important to have a regulatory body that approves medication to be used in the country. And the medication that my father needed, the experimental, the experimental treatment, was from a very well-known medication that was tested millions of times in Canada and was approved in Canada for many different things, but not for the purpose that my father needed it for. And so Health Canada denied us access to that medication. Now, we had a, we had a doctor that was willing to administer the medication. We had uh, his doctors that, that petitioned the government and said, hey, well, listen, the man is dying. This is his last hope. It's a Hail Mary. Maybe we could save him by, uh, by administering this drug. And Health Canada said no. I bring this up not because uh, I'm looking for sympathy or not because I'm overly nostalgic for a for a terrible story. It was extremely disappointing and extremely disheartening when the federal government essentially stopped us from using the last ditch effort that uh, that we could have and stopped us from the uh, fr- from the closure of knowing that you did everything possible to try to save a life. The the federal government blocked us from that. So that that's that's not 
the reason I brought this up. I, I bring it up because the idea that the you could stand in the way of of either saving someone's life or, or prolonging someone's life or helping other people is is very prevalent in my mind every day. I'm very careful in the way I speak to people. I'm very careful in the way I, I present myself. It's very careful in the way I handle situations. It, it is extremely important to be that way. Now, the, now the government, uh, finally, uh, months after we applied, months after we pleaded, and after we went to the CBC and had a CBC report done, a television report, national CBC television report done on the, uh, on the story that they were blocking us from using this drug, the government did a U-turn and allowed us to uh, use the drug, but it was too late. My father was already on his deathbed, and it was just hours later that he died. So we got the approval to use the experimental drug months after we asked for it, and just hours before he died. The government, I, I, um, I, I had vowed at the time, I had, well, not vowed, but I had said at the time that I was going to, uh, was going to work and, 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 and petition the government to to change this this draconian rule, this this crazy rule, that these experimental drugs can't be used. It was changed in the states just last year, and I'm hoping that uh, the Canadian government takes uh, takes action. So far, it, it's promising. They've they've already loosened the rules and they've changed the procedure, so it's promising that other people won't be in the position that we were in, uh, in the where where there's a drug available that could be used and and that was disallowed. This this kind of um, this kind of action brings me to to to, to think, and I, I kind of relate everything to this now. When I when I talk about Canadian politics, Quebec politics, when I when I talk about politics in general, I, I kind of relate everything to this situation. I had tweeted out to the health minister and to my local member of parliament, uh, asking the question why why um, why the government is trying to kill my father at the time. I got a response from the member of parliament. The, the health minister refused to, to answer me and refused to meet with me. But the member of parliament answered me and said to me, uh, if you tweet something like that again at me, uh, I won't help you at all. So he, he was more concerned about his image than he was about, about saving a life. Uh, it's infuriating when you think about it. It's infuriating. This all came, to, this all came back to me yesterday, which was uh, my father's birthday. It all came. It all came back to me, and I started thinking about it. And I started thinking about how infuriated I was by that situation. And then I started expanding my mind. I started expanding, and started thinking about other things, and and thinking about this new bill that was just passed, Bill ninety six in Quebec, and thinking about how infuriated I am about this bill. So, so there are multiple things about the bill that 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 get me extremely worked up and extremely angry. And, uh, and I have to vocalize it, because if I don't vocalize it, uh, it's just going to build up in me. I'm, I'm extremely angry about this bill. Now, the first thing I'm angry about is that French people are being oppressed. Th this upsets me about all the language laws in Quebec. They don't necessarily affect, in, in, in a great part, the English community, although the media and the English community like to pretend that they do. They limit the French community from taking part in world politics, in world business. They limit the French people uh, from expanding outside of Quebec. The, the idea is to keep everyone insular, to keep the young people in Quebec. And so the laws actually target young French people who want to be professionals, who want to, uh, who want to get into the market and, and, and work and, uh, and earn a living. It punishes them doesn't necessarily punish the English person. The English people could still go to uh, English schools. The English people could still function in both languages, still be bilingual. French people cannot. And to me, that's infuriating. Anytime anyone's oppressed, I stand up for the underdog. Anytime anyone's oppressed, you, you'll hear me screaming about it. I, I don't necessarily care what religion they are, what language they speak. People are oppressed. Oppression is wrong. And we have to stand up and speak out against it. So the oppression of the French people bothers me a lot. The second thing that bothers me is that the the government had decided at this point that they don't want foreign workers in Quebec. So in the past years, 
for for decades and decades and decades, the government used to give work visas to uh, out-of-town workers. And the work visas gave an exemption to children of out-of-town workers, particularly uh, particularly uh, religious uh, clergy members. Uh, they gave they gave uh, exemptions to these people for uh, Bill 101 so that they could send their kids to a English school. So if they come from the States and they're, they they got hired by a church or they get hired by a, a mosque or a synagogue, they could send their kids to English school. They've revoked that exemption. So now synagogues, churches, mosques are losing their senior clergy, people who have ingrained themselves in the community, people who have children in the community, are leaving because their children have to now being forced to go from an English school to a French school. It, it is completely wrong. It is, it, is, it is a draconian law that is completely and utterly unacceptable. So the law makes me angry. But what makes me angry even more is the politicians, are the politicians, that are pretending to stand on the side of the oppressed but are really the oppressors. It infuriates me that they think that the population is stupid enough to believe that when a bill is passed in the, in, 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 the, uh, in the Legislative Assembly of Quebec, they like to call it the National Assembly, when a bill is passed in that, in that legislative body, that somehow it is a unanimous bill, that, 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 that there's opposition to it, there generally is not opposition to it. So a bunch of people will vote against it, but not enough people that will stop the bill from passing. And this has been true for all the language legislation uh, that has been passed. In fact, some of the language legislation, some of the most harshest language legislation passed was legislation uh, that was passed by, by the liberal government, by the liberal government of the times uh, who claimed to stand for the, for the English community and passed draconian laws which oppressed the English community. And yet, here we are. Here we are, uh, English people. Uh, I'm starting to see. I'm starting to hear grumbling now, and we've heard this kind of grumbling before. I'm starting to hear grumbling that English people are going to start leaving the province, that corporations are going to start moving away. English people are going to start leaving the province. I've been asked if I was going to stay, numerous times. Not many of my friends have asked me, "Are you going to stay? Are you going to go? What's what's the story?" And the truth is, I can't even answer honestly. Look, I, I have true time. I, I have a day job. My day job, I'm, I'm a principal of, a, of an elementary school. I, I, could, I could theoretically find the same type of job somewhere else. I have, my education comes with me. <laughs> this one thing that nobody could steal from me is my knowledge, my education, my experience. So that could come with me. True Talk Radio uh, is based in Croatia. So our servers are, are in Croatia. Uh, the equipment I have here could be packed up and moved anywhere I go. As long as I have an internet connection, we are we are good to go. So I, I don't really have an issue uh, moving away from Quebec. It doesn't doesn't change anything in my life. My life would continue almost exactly the way it's going right now, just in a different location. So so that that doesn't really scare me. It doesn't scare me that if I have to leave, it doesn't scare me. What scares me is that we are moving into a fascist society that's going to force me to leave, both federally and provincially. We are moving into a fascist society. And this is the scary part, that we are all sitting back and we're allowing this to happen. We are sitting back and allowing our governments to become fascist dictators. There's no mass riots in the street. There's no, there's no people on the radio screaming and yelling, no people on TV screaming and yelling. Sure, you'll have one rally uh, or two or three rallies where, where 5,000 people will show up. But that's not really a display of, of discontent, is it? In, in a city of a couple of million people, five 5,000 showing up is not really a number that is going to impress anybody or show any semblance of discontent. When the students didn't like tuition raises uh, that the government was imposing upon the universities, they went into the streets and banged pots for night after night for months. It drove everybody crazy, but they got their point across. And those student leaders uh, then took action. They ran for they ran for the assembly, and they got into the assembly. 
this this is what happened. So 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 being proactive and being being an activist changed things. They didn't get the tuition hike that uh, that they were, that they were promised. Yeah, they got half of what they were promised. But but it wasn't the full tuition hike because they protested and enough of them got into the street and made enough noise that that people started to listen. That the government started to listen. Nobody's done that. Now, I don't know if the apathy is because the English people have all left and whatever's left here is just accepting the fact that this is life in Quebec. I don't know if the case is that um, that, that people just don't care. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm one of the few people who actually care about this. But I know that it is unfair. I know that it is not right. And I know that it should be protested and it should be challenged. I'm glad the English Montreal School Board announced today that they were going to challenge this, uh, this, this this draconian, terrible law, or at least parts of the law. I'm glad that Julius Gray said he was going to challenge part of the law. And I'm glad some other institutions have gotten up and said that they were going to challenge the law in court. What really has to happen, and let's be honest, and nobody wants to touch this, nobody wants to talk about this. What really has to happen is a constitutional review. What has to happen is a constitutional amendments to the Constitution. They have to change the Constitution of Canada. And I know opening up a constitutional battle, we saw it twice before. We saw Meech Lake, we saw Charlottetown, and uh, those constitutional um, battles didn't really work out all that well for anybody. Uh, we, saw, we saw what happened there in the, in the late 90s. But we have, to, we have to do this, and we have to get rid of this notwithstanding clause. Now, for those of you who don't know what the notwithstanding clause is, let's let's go over it because it's it's an important thing to know. The notwithstanding clause basically allows a province, any province in the country, so it's not only Quebec, any province in the country could use the notwithstanding clause to override, they could pass a law that overrides the Charter of Rights and Freedom, the Canadian Charter and the Provincial Charter of Rights and Freedom. So, essentially, they could say, all right, you have the right, according to the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, for uh, freedom of expression. I'm just going to use this as an example. Freedom of assembly. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the first rights you have in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. You have that right, but we're taking it away from you, and we're going to use the notwithstanding clause, which means that we override the Charter, and you have no recourse. You cannot, you cannot challenge it in court. You cannot, um, you cannot fight it. That's it. You're you're done. You're done. That's it. Uh, laws passed, and that's all you got. It, it, do you find that scary? I, I find it scary. So I, I thought it would be an interesting exercise, and I, I don't know how many people have done this, but I thought it would be a very interesting exercise to take a look at the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and some of the rights and freedoms that could be overrun by the notwithstanding clause. So, so... <laughs> It starts, uh, it starts off with um, the clause number one. The Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees the rights and freedoms set out in subjects only to such reasonable limits prescribed by law and can be demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. So here are your fundamental freedoms that could be overridden at any given time by the notwithstanding clause. Everyone has the following fundamental freedoms. A. Freedom of conscience and religion. B, freedom of thought, belief, opinion, expression, including freedom of the press and other media of communication. C, freedom of peaceful assembly. And D, freedom of association. So, now, 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 when I say that Canada has become a fascist country and the liberal government of Justin Trudeau has turned it into a fascist country, we take a look at the fundamental freedoms, the, the guaranteed freedoms now, now look at the democratic rights in one second, but look at the, just the fundamental freedoms and think about this for one second. As, you, as, you, as I'm going through this again, think about the trucker protest, the COVID trucker protest, the trucker's convoy that landed in Ottawa and what happened to those poor people who were part of that convoy. So here, let's try this again. Uh, everybody has the following fundamental freedoms. It's the clause number two in the Charter of, Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. A, freedom of conscience and religion. B, freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression, including freedom of the press and other media's, media of communications. C, freedom of peaceful assembly. And D, freedom of association. So when we look at the COVID truckers convoy 
that was taken apart and everybody was arrested and people's animals were euthanized and people's children were put into foster care by the liberal government. Let's, uh, let, let's take a look at how the liberal government violated these fundamental freedoms. So the theorem of thought, belief, opinion, and expression was violated because anybody who thought that they could oppose the liberal government and their COVID policies uh, were arrested. Anybody who went to, uh, to, to, to speak out against it were arrested. Their bank accounts were frozen. Their businesses were ruined. Uh, so the freedom of conscience, uh, the freedom of conscience and thought were, were uh, the freedom of thought, belief, and opinion and expression were, were taken away from these people. Now, what else? What else? Freedom of peaceful assembly. So these people met in Ottawa. Fine. If they were blocking roads and they were they were stopping people from getting to businesses, uh, perhaps perhaps the, uh, the the city of Ottawa could have towed their trucks. But no, the government sent in their forces and broke it up, and so the freedom of peaceful assembly was taken away, and the freedom of association. Anybody associated with the with the uh, truckers' convoy, their bank accounts were uh, were frozen. They they were arrested. They were put on a watch list. Their Bitcoin accounts were taken away from them. Money was taken. Their businesses were destroyed. All because they associated. They were even going after, the, the liberal government was even going after people who donated money to the cause. So what, what, what are the democratic rights of citizens of Canada? Every citizen of Canada has the right to vote in an election of members of the House of Commons or of Legislative Assembly and be qualified for membership therein. So anybody could run for assembly or vote for uh, for legislative assemblies. No House of Commons and no legislative assembly shall continue for no longer than five years from the date fixed for the return of the writs and the general election of its members. In time of real apprehended war, invasions, or insurrection, a House of Commons may be continued by Parliament and a legislative assembly may be continued by the legislator beyond five years if such continuation is not opposed by the votes of more than one-third of the members of the House of Commons. There shall be a, a sitting Parliament and each of legislature at least once every 12 months. Okay. Every citizen of Canada has the right to enter, remain in, and leave Canada. Every citizen of Canada has it. And every person who has the status of a permanent resident of Canada has the right to move to and take up residence in any province to pursue the gaining of a livelihood in any province. The rights speci- specified in, uh, in sub- subsection are subject to any laws or practices of general application for some province other than those that discriminate against people primarily on the basis of, prov- of, of providence or present of previous residence or any laws providing for reasonable residency requirements as qualifications for the receipt of publicly funded social services. So l- let's take a look a little closer at that one. Every citizen of Canada has the right to enter, remain in Canada, or leave Canada. That was taken away from us during the COVID scare, during the uh, COVID craziness when the borders were closed and we weren't allowed to leave or come back to Canada. Every citizen of Canada, every person has the status of permanent resident of Canada has the right to move to and take up residence in any province and pursue the gaining of a livelihood in any province. Is that the case in Quebec? Could you pursue the livelihood, the gaining of livelihood in the province? Well, it depends on what your profession is and depends on what your religion is. And that's really where, that's really where, the, uh, that's really where it lies. That's really the problem. If you are a Orthodox Muslim, if you are a practicing Muslim and you are a practicing Jew, and you wear a, and and you're a female and you wear a headdress as a Muslim, or you're a male and you wear a yarmulke as a Jew, a kippah as a Jew, uh, you cannot pursue, you cannot, you cannot pursue livelihood in the province of Quebec, because of Bill 21. Bill 21 stops people with any religious headgear, or any religious symbols. They call it any religious symbols, it stops them from uh, holding any government job or any job related to a government job. So you can't be a teacher, you can't be a, you can't be a, a judge, you can't be a police officer. So if, I want, if I'm a teacher, which I am, I'm a, I'm a licensed teacher, and I want to pursue a, a job in Quebec because I wear a kippah, because I wear a yarmulke, because I'm an Orthodox Jew, I cannot pursue that job in Quebec, in a school board. My rights were violated, and that's what the notwithstanding clause does. It overrides the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, so they could say, you're wearing a yarmulke, you cannot be part of, you cannot work for a school, and so we're, we're just going to override this right 
that's enshrined in our Constitution, we're just going to override the right, and we're going to use the notwithstanding clause, which allows us to do that. Now, everyone has the right to life, liberty, and security of the person, and the right to not to be deprived thereof, except in accordance with the principles of fundamental justice. Everyone has the right to be secure against unreasonable search and seizure. Everyone has the right not to be arbitrarily detained or imprisoned, although that's what the federal government did to the truckers in the truckers' convoy and to the people associated with the truckers' convoy. Everyone has the right uh, of the right on arrest or detention to be informed promptly of the reasons, therefore, to retain and instruct counsel without delay and to be informed of that right, to have the validity of detention determined by the way of habeas corpus and to be released if the detention is not lawful. Any person charged with an offense has the right to be informed without reasonable delay of the specific offense, to be tried within a reasonable time, not to be compelled uh, to, to be a witness in proceedings against that person in respect of the offense, uh, to be assumed innocent until proven guilty according to law in fair public hearings by an independent and impartial tribunal, not to be denied reasonable bail without just cause, except in the case of under military law, and so on and so forth. So these, these fundamental laws that are guaranteed, enshrined in the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedom can be overridden at any time by any province that wishes to pass a law that is going to subjugate their, their population and violate the Charter of Rights and Freedom by using this act called the Notwithstanding Clause. Now, the Notwithstanding Clause was put into uh, the, the Constitution on the assistance of Quebec, uh, it was put into the Canadian Constitution in 1980 when the Canadian Constitution was, was, was ratified here in Canada. It was put into there on the insistence of Quebec. Quebec refused to sign it unless there was in there. Uh, and uh, the, the purpose of the notwithstanding clause, which was given to all the provinces, not just Quebec, was essentially that uh, we, we don't want to have to respect the citizenship of Canada. So, because we know that this clause has been abused. It's been abused in Quebec numerous times. It's been abused in Ontario numerous times. Uh, Saskatchewan used it once. Alberta used it once. And because we know governments will use this clause to bypass human rights and to bypass uh, uh, given rights, uh, you know, given rights by being born in Canada, you're given rights. We should insist as a population that this is removed from the Constitution. We should insist that the Charter of Rights and Freedom, whether it be the Canadian Charter or the Quebec Charter or any provincial Charter of Rights and Freedom, takes precedence over any law that is passed. We must insist on this. Now, why we haven't insisted on this in the past, why, why nobody's really kicked up a fuss about this in the past, is beyond me. And I'm sure, I'm sure some people have yelled about it, and I'm sure that uh, this has come up. I, I'm, I'm positive this has come up. There are smarter minds out there than I am much sharper people out there than I am. But why we're not screaming and yelling that they have this draconian power, this, this, this dictatorial power to override our rights and freedoms, and why there aren't mass protests in the street is beyond me. I, I don't understand it. Now, if you do, you could call in, one 669 1292 Or if you're watching on, uh, on social media, you could type into the chat box, and it'll pop up my screen. If you could understand why... Nobody is screaming and yelling that our rights are being taken away from us, legally taken away from us. Uh, maybe you could explain it to me. I don't understand it. I don't understand how people are sitting back and saying nothing. And the few people who are standing up, uh, it's very weak voice. There should be hundreds of thousands of people in the street. People should be protesting in front of the, in front of the Legislative Assembly in Quebec City, the National Assembly in Quebec City. People should be protesting there on a daily basis. Hundreds of thousands of people should be going down to Quebec City to protest. Yet that's not happening. And I don't understand why. Unless, unless I, I'm totally off base, which, which is possible. I've been totally off base before. And this is an acceptable situation to everybody in Quebec. If that's the case, and Quebecers like being oppressed, well, then, then, then what am I talking about? Then why, why do I care? It doesn't really affect me much. I'm an English-speaking Quebecer. I'm a, what they call a historic Anglo because now we have two... We have a two-tier society. We have historic Anglos and non-historic Anglos, uh, people who have rights and people who don't have rights. So we live in a two-tier society now. Uh, that was another creation of this Bill 96. 
So because I fall into the category of historic Anglo, it doesn't really affect me much. So why am I screaming? Why, why do I care? But I do. I care only because I don't think oppression of anybody is, is justified. I think as a, as a Jewish person, I understand oppression pretty well. And I think that we have a fundamental responsibility as human beings to stand up for people who are being oppressed. one 669 1292 That is the number to call to get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. one 669 1292 So how do we solve this problem? Well, we can't go to our politicians because our politicians are all in on the racket. That's the whole thing. The thing is that we gave up we gave up. We completely gave up our rights during the COVID scare. We allowed the media and the government to cow us into giving up our fundamental human rights. And the more rights we gave up, the more power the government took. Until it got to a point where the government felt that they could just step all over us. They could just roller, they could just steamroll us. And there would be barely a whimper. The scare, the COVID scare was so effective, is so effective, that there are still people who walk down the street by themselves wearing masks. Their chances of catching COVID on the street by themselves is 0%. Yet there are still people walking down the street wearing masks. People driving alone in their cars wearing masks. That is how effective the media campaign that the government ran when it came to COVID was. It's going to take years to deprogram these people. So once we gave up our fundamental rights, once we gave it up and we said, okay, government, you take our rights. You take them. We don't need them anymore. Once we did that, then the government said, thank you. And do you think they're going to give it back to us? Do you think they're not going to take advantage of the fact that we are complacent and we are totally subservient to the government? Of course they, of, co- of course they're not going to give it back to us. Never. We're never going to see them again. At least not to the way we saw them before. It's a scary situation. I agree. I'm Howie Silberger. It's the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. This is the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call one 669 So we live in a crazy world. We know, we know we live in an insane world. A world that is getting crazier and crazier as time passes. And I see stories like the one I'm, I'm going to talk about right now that, that just blow my mind. I really just don't... I don't know. Maybe I'm getting old. I, I think that's what it is. I think I'm getting old and I just don't understand any of this stuff anymore. Uh, you, you know, when you're a kid, when you're young, you, you tend to think that older people lose touch with reality. I think I'm getting to the point where I might be losing touch with reality. I might be losing touch with what's really going on in this world. Uh, I, I'm really kind of an old-fashioned kind of guy. I believe that that you know, if you're born and you, you have certain body parts, that makes you a male. And if you're born and you have other body parts, that makes you a female. I, I believe in gender. I believe in science. And, and this must be something far out crazy. It's, it's a, I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> I'll admit it. I'm a dinosaur. I, but But... Really, uh, as a dinosaur, I, I really believe that, that biology means something. Not everyone believes the same thing. Unfortunately, we have a, a whole group of people who are promoting the fact that biology doesn't mean anything. And that, uh, that sex is a choice, that, that gender is a choice, not a birthright. A Wisconsin school district is now closing a case that they brought against three middle school students. Now, now, for those of you in Canada who don't understand what middle school is, middle school runs from grade seven, six to grade eight. 
So we're talking, let's see, grade six is 11, 12-year-olds to, uh, to grade eight, which is 13, 14-year-olds. That's middle school, from 11 to 14, approximately. Not even 14, probably 11 to 13. So 11 to 13-year-old kids. Say, Wisconsin School District is closing a Title IX inquiry into three middle school students who were accused of sexual harassment for using improper pronouns. You, you heard me right. Improper pronouns. So because they, they called somebody a he instead of a she or a she instead of a he or a they instead of a them or a them instead of a thy and a thy instead of whatever, these kids were facing a inquir- inquiry. They were being investigated. Here's the quote. We have issued clear directives and expectations to all students involved in this matter for the purpose of preventing bullying and harassment and ensuring a safe and supportive learning environment for all of our students. The Keele District said, based on these actions and pursuant to district policies and the procedures, the, do- the, cool- the school district considers these matters closed. Now, the students subject to this inquiry were represented by a conservative legal group called the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. We are pleased that the Keele Area School District has finally ended this misguided Title IX investigation, the group said. While the district statement attempts to reframe the investigation was always primarily about mispronouning. Now, Title IX, if you're not following American politics, Title IX prohibits sexual harassment at schools that re- and it receives federal funding and demands that schools facilitate an environment free from sex-based discrimination. It states that no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits up, or being subjected to discrimination under an education program or activity receiving federal finance assistance. Now, the district may not be willing to admit it publicly, but it has recognized that there is no legal basis to demand that our clients refrain from mispronouncing other students, the legal group continues. Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty also said it will ensure that the inquiry is erased from the students' academic records. Now, so what happened? So, so the, one of the little boys, and he couldn't have been older than 11 or 12, was interviewed on Fox News yesterday. And I watched the interview because I, I, I find this case extremely fascinating. So I watched the interview. And the boy said, the boy said that he was confused. There, there was obviously the, the person who, um, who was mispronounced was obviously a woman. It was obviously a girl, a girl in his class. Now, the girl wanted to be called they instead of she. And the boy said that he got confused because she was, she's a girl. And, and normally, in a normal situation, in a normal world, in a, in a, in a world of, 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 of people who accept science and accept uh, biology, uh, she would be the appropriate way to refer to somebody. So he tried, he said, to, to refer to her as they, which is, which is the pronoun that this person chose to use, because, of course, somebody could be plural for some reason. And he forgot he forgot, and halfway through the day, he, he was talking to her, and he referred to her as a female. He used the pronoun she, and the person flipped out and reported him, saying he was sexually harassing her, and he got expelled from school, and an investigation was opened, and he had to get lawyers, and they had to, uh, and they had to defend him because he referred to a female student as she. How ridiculous has our world gotten? How crazy have we gotten? How have we forgotten the normalcy of living together? The, the, I blame it on social media. I blame it on social media, devices, phones. This is what I blame it on. This, all this craziness, is blame, I'm blaming it totally on social media. Before social media, it was quite obvious that a man was a man and a woman was a woman. And there were some men who thought they were women and some women who thought they were men. And those people had, had names. They, they, they were they referred to by different terms. But all in all, everybody accepted. Even the people who, who, who felt that they were a man living in a woman's body or a woman living in a man's body. And there were very, very few people who felt that way. It was a, um, it, it was, it was a psychological, it was considered a psychological problem. 
which it should still be. People should still get help if they feel that they that they that they're more born into the same body. That's something psychologically wrong there. People should get help with that. Uh, so it was a psychological problem, and they um, and they they found that uh, you know that that's the way the world ran. Now, was there some discrimination? Of course, there's always discrimination. Uh, anything anything a little different in the world, you're going to have discrimination. Was it enough to start a movement to to change the world? Apparently, because here we are, eleven uh, year old, a twelve year old. I don't know if he's eleven or twelve, but he can't be more than twelve. Was now being charged with mispronouns, with with using the wrong pronoun while talking to somebody in school. Now, if you thought that freedom of speech was paramount, that that people had the right to speak their minds and to express their opinions. And let's assume uh, the boy said he made a mistake, but okay, let's 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 go the other way. Let's say that the boy did not make a mistake, and that he actually intentionally referred to her as a female. Is that wrong? Is there something wrong with that? Uh, do we have to bow and 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 placate every crazy whim that somebody has? In today's world, we do. It's unfortunate, but that's that's the world we live in today. Like I said, I'm an old school guy. I'm pretty draconian when it comes to this stuff. But at the end of the day, that's what everyone's expecting you to do, right? You have to bow. You have to bow to the to to the whims and to the to the to the to the will and whims of any given person. There was a um, I, I was doing student internships a little while back when I was finishing my my latest degree, and I had to do a couple of internships. So I went to work in a school. And the school I went to work in was a uh, French school out in the middle of nowhere. They sent me about 45 minutes away from my house. I had to go there. And I went there and I was, uh, uh, I, w- I was just getting there. It was a couple of days into the internship. I was there for a few days. And I'm speaking to the uh, to coordinating teacher. So it's a teaching internship. And I was speaking to the coordinating teacher. And I say to the coordinating teacher, hey, listen, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. It's a nice school. The kids seem nice. The uh, School's a very big school. It's a nice school. Uh, you know, maybe I can get a job here afterwards. Uh, I was dreaming at the time. Bill 21 hadn't passed yet. So I was dreaming I would be able to get a job with my with my keep on, but <laughs> that, that never happened. Um, and the teacher looks and sees that I'm wearing a keep on. She says to me, oh, you're an Orthodox Jew. And I said, yeah, yeah, I am. And this is where I expected the problems to start. The second they notice, oh, you're an Orthodox Jew. Oh, okay, uh, you're Jewish. And the second that starts, then then I, I, I'm expecting a problem. And I said, yes, yes, I am. And she says to me, what do you think about transgenders? And I looked at her and I said, I don't understand the question. And she says, well, we have a transgender student. Does that bother you? I looked at her again. I said, I don't understand the question. Why would, why would whatever a student is doing, whatever problems a student has or whatever, uh, whatever issues a student is working with his, his or her way through, why would that bother me? I, I don't care if a student, if a male student comes into class wearing a dress or a female student comes into class wearing pants. It doesn't bother me. I don't care. Uh, I'm here to teach them. So I, I'm here to teach the subject. I'm not involved in the personal lives of these students, so I, I really couldn't care less what's happening in the personal lives of these students unless it affects their academics. She says, I like that answer. I said, great. I went home, and about 10 minutes after I got home, my phone rings, and it's a supervisor of the internship telling me I've been thrown off the internship. And I said, why was I thrown off the internship? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> what happened? And the answer was, you're anti-transgender. Now, I had had the conversation maybe an hour before with the teacher saying, I really don't care what this student is. And now I'm being accused of being anti-transgender. I didn't know that was a crime to start with, but, but now apparently it is. And I'm thrown off the internship. And in the program I was in, if you're thrown off the internship, you're basically out of the program. So I, um, I called... I called the, uh, well, the supervisor. I was talking to the supervisor. I said, where did the school get anti-transgender from? I, I didn't, I don't talk about this stuff with anybody. I, I really don't care enough about the topic to talk about it. So why would I be considered anti-transgender? 
And the answer was they found an article you wrote um, on the internet somewhere. And uh, it's clear from the article that you're anti-transgender. So I was curious what article I had written. I remember writing an article years and years before. I was curious what article it was. And I went and I found the article. It was actually on my website. Uh, I happens on HowWeSilberger.com. There was an article. Okay. I read the article. The article was basically a review of some medical journals. Uh, it was written for one of the newspapers I was writing for at the time. It was a review of some medical journals in that, that, that concerned the transgenderism at the time. Uh, Bruce Jenner was transgendering into whatever he became. And, um, and uh, it, it, was a, it was a study on, on that case, on the Bruce Jenner case, and whether it should be accepted into mainstream or whether Bruce Jenner should go and get medical help. Uh, and I looked at a bunch of different medical studies and, and examined those. Because I did a survey of medical studies and I presented the results and the opinions of the doctors of these medical studies, I was thrown off this internship. Now, when I threatened to sue the university, they reversed their course and, and uh, then COVID came along and the internships were canceled anyway. And anyway, life goes on. Now, I'm principal of a school. But that's, that's beyond the point. The point is that People could lose their careers for speaking badly about transgenderism. It's a crazy world we live in. What a nutty thing. I can't express my opinion about something without being called hate. I express my opinion about a lot of things. People accuse me of hating all the time. I don't hate anyone. But I have strong opinions on a lot of different subjects. So if I say that I hate the fact that there are people living in Israel who want to kill Jews, does that make me anti-Palestinian? I'm not anti-Palestinian. I couldn't care less about the Palestinians. I, 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 I wish them the best of luck in their own country. I, I wish that they would go to their own country, form a country called Palestine, and I wish them the best of luck. I, I'll, I'll support any fundraising campaign that they want to run in that country as long as that country is outside of the state of Israel. Does that make me anti-Palestinian? Or does it make me pro-Israeli? It's all about perspective. These poor kids who, who grew up knowing that I'm a boy because I have a penis and she's a girl because she has a vagina are now very confused. And they don't know how to speak and they don't know how to handle the situation. And schools should not be there to teach kids how to how to speak the right gender, speak the right language to, 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 to placate this insane, insane movement, an insane narcissistic movement that is insisting that the world change in order to, to accommodate the, the couple of hundred thousand people that, uh, that are afflicted with this, this terrible disease. Sad world we live in, a very scary world. And it brings me to the last point I wanted to make. We live in a world like this because we've negated religion, we've negated morality, and we've thrown the Ten Commandments in the garbage. This past weekend, we read the Ten Commandments in the, in the, in the weekly Torah readings. The Jews read the Ten Commandments. And every time we read the Ten Commandments, it reminds me how far the world has slid from where they were from the Ten Commandments. Look around. Think about your life. How many of the commandments do you actually follow? It's the uh, topic I'm going to, uh, to be talking about on Political Hitman tonight on Israel News Talk Radio, which will start in just about an hour. The question is, how many commandments do you actually follow? How many, how many do, you, do, you, do you follow? Could you say you follow all ten? Could you say that uh, in the course of the day, that, that you're respectful of all ten? How could you say that? If you live in North America, if you live in uh, North America, uh, the Tenth Commandment, you shouldn't covet your neighbor's uh, wife and goods. It's very hard when you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, isn't it? When you're jealous that your next-door neighbor just bought a, uh, an expensive car and you don't have one, that, that pretty much violates the Tenth Commandment. And, and we could go on. Honor your parents. How many old people are sitting in, in, in old age homes where nobody ever comes to visit them? 
where they sit there and they rot until they die. That's honoring your parents? Not so much. Don't steal? <laughs> that, that's the funniest one. Because I've had people who have justified stealing from the government. I have people who have justified stealing from each other. I, I know people who have justified stealing from everything. How, how many times have you stolen something? Think about it. Now, now it could be something little. It could be something big. It could be an idea. It could be a, uh, a plagiarized line. How many, how many times have you stolen something? Now, if we all started moving back towards following at least most of the commandments, adultery, we live in a world that promotes adultery. We live in a world that glorifies adultery. Every movie, every television show, there's no commitment. There's no family value. Nobody cares. They're in bed with this person now, in bed with that person next. Nobody cares about commitment, about values, about feelings. Nobody builds up relationships anymore. We live in a world devoid of morality. We live in a world devoid of, uh, of any semblance of structure. Society used to be a structured society. People used to, used to live in, in, in a context of, of some kind of moral box. That has all disappeared, has dissipated. We have thrown the morality, we have thrown religion, we have thrown, we have thrown the Bible into the gutter and stomped on it and sprayed it with sewer water. Now, if you think I'm exaggerating, look around. Thou shalt not kill. Do you know how many people were killed in the last weekend in the United States in mass shootings? Look up the number. It'll shock you. we got to start getting back to some semblance of normalcy. We have to start backing up. We have to start realizing that we're raising generations of people who are growing up with no moral compass. These are the people who will be ruling the world, people leading the world when you and I are old. No moral compass. No care for morality, for religion, for God. Is that the world you want to live in? It's definitely not the world I want to live in. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Feel free to join me again at midnight. That's right, in just about an hour. I'll be back with Political Hitman here on Israel News. Well, on Israel News Talk Radio. It'll also be here on truetalkradio.com. Uh, I'm going to go now, and when I come back in an hour, we'll continue the conversation. Until then, I bid you a good night. I'm Howie Silberger. This is Political Hitman. No, it's not. It's the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network.